Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Again, thanks for joining me this week. My motivational quote today is by Amit Ray, and it says, It does not matter how long you are spending on earth, how much money you have gathered, or how much attention you have received. It is the amount of positive vibration you have radiated in life that matters. Meditation. It's a practice that's been around for thousands of years, but recently meditation and all its ben- benefits are really undergoing a resurgence of interest and popularity. You hear it all over the place. It's been noted to help kids in school, help with addiction like tobacco, and to contribute to better focus and overall well-being. Meditation is really a brain training to help you learn to quiet your mind and make it stop careening wildly thought to thought. That's me. <laughs> so if it takes just a few minutes each day and you don't need any, anything special to do it, why isn't everyone taking advantage of this absolutely free pra- uh, practice? I think for some of us it's a matter of how to do it. You know, you can find apps and then recordings and guided meditations. And then I think the other thing is when to do it. Every time we think about sitting in 20 minutes to meditate, I know a list of 10 other things on my to-do list pop up. We're going to sort this all out with David Lowe, and he's going to help us understand why meditation really, really is so important to our health and is going to discuss the different techniques of meditation so we can choose the style that may actually work for us. This clarification may provide a clearer picture um, for you and, and help you get on your unique path. Now, David holds a Ph.D. in religious studies and is an adjunct professor at Rutgers Camden, Rutgers, my alumni, Rowan and LaSalle University. Um, Dave, David has an MS in community counseling and has worked as a substance abuse counselor for seven years. He currently does dream work and maintains a small counseling practice. And David's first book just came out called Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice. So welcome, uh, David. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on today. It's wonderful to be here, uh, Connie. Thanks again. My pleasure. Uh, You know, I loved that quote at the beginning because I do think that meditation um, helps with our vibration, our frequency that we're putting out right into the world and the universe. So, and I I just, before we get started with questions, I do want to share with you. I try to motivate, to meditate. It's unfortunately not daily, you know, due to whatever, but several times a week. And I giggle when I say, you know, the mind jumping from thought to thought. I absolutely sure. have the monkey mind. And it's work. It's it, not work. It's practice to get meditation semi-easy to do. So, right. I, I, yeah, yeah, no, you're, you probably hear that a lot, right? What is meditation? Can you kind of define that for us? Well, I think there are, I, I like to give it three definitions. Physiologically, the integration and harmonization of mind-body function. Philosophically, formal act of merging, communing with God. Operationally, any technique for intentional internal mental focus. It's probably the most important and available spiritual practice that, that um, we can all do. 
That would be those uh, the definitions that um, in, in, in technique for intentional internal mental focus. That would be yeah. the easiest definition. Yeah, and really, uh, you know, it's funny because the more you read and, um, like, you read about Richard Branson and Oprah and these big, you know, names that we all know, it's household names, they all meditate. Um, and they live a very kind of spiritually driven life. So it's very interesting when you see more CEOs and these very, very successful uh, humans out there, and then all of a sudden you find out they meditate. So there's, there's right. something to it. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, to have money you have to meditate. This isn't about money. This is, I think, more about mental acuity and mental clarity. And that's why these guys are, are so successful. So now, and I believe that to be true. So now you mention the um, a little bit of the psychology and that uh, well you didn't you said the physical philosophical and the techniques so right. what are some of the psychological and health benefits that we know meditation brings to us well the biological ones are, are uh, pretty well known we can briefly mention heart rate blood pressure galvanic skin response things like that they all improve I think it does make you healthier all other things being equal What's more interesting are the uh, psychological effects. You know, people become less prone to emotional outbursts of anger, impatience, things like that. I remember reading a study about improved socialization, but probably the biggest overall thing that you know, some people notice is a decrease in the overall stress anxiety level that they've been experiencing all the time. For a lot of folks, that is kind of dramatic. They feel it right away after their first meditation, if it's a good one, you know. Um, and I think long-time meditators agree that there are longer-term philosophical benefits along personal and spiritual lines, greater self-knowledge on a practical level, less attachment to ideas and preferences, which is, which is really what, what benefits your uh, business folks trying to do things. Um, in terms of spiritual development, I think your life speeds up. Okay, a midlife crisis around career interests and so forth will come along sooner than it otherwise would and likely be less severe because you know yourself better. Um, and the most intriguing benefits, I think, are demonstrated by studies, which I think are not accepted by a lot of scientists because of the research design, things like that. But apparently, if you can get enough people in a community meditating, the crime rate actually goes down. Okay, that's called the Maharishi effect after the sage who initiated those studies. Um, so there's no question in my mind that, that it does contribute to some kind of local harmonizing energy way beneath the radar. So all kinds of good things with meditation. <laughs> so, okay, that to me is very intriguing because I, I can't even watch the news anymore because it's just bombings and terror and, you know, who raped two and who killed two and who stole $2. And, you know, all of this, it's, it's horror to me. And it de I definitely feel my vibration change and I feel anxious. So I, about probably about six years ago, I stopped watching the news every day. Don't get me wrong. I still keep up to date on current events I just don't make that habit to sit in front of the TV and watch the drama unfold before me so that that I noticed now with all of the this disharmony and war and chaos across the, the you know our whole world do you think as more and more people find meditation that we can change that globally oh, or is yeah. that dreaming oh no it's not dreaming at all there is a big 
underlying shift taking place in which a lot of things are getting flushed out, you know, the whole situation uh, with turmoil and so forth in all those areas you mentioned. Things have to get worse before they get better. Um, so, yeah, I, you do see uh, way beneath the radar. There are a lot of people beginning to meditate, beginning to be calmer, and beginning to understand how, you know, all of these external symptoms that you see in society are basically reactions to love. There's a groundswell of harmony and love being generated by everybody who's meditating beneath the radar. And all these things are just reactions to it, things being flushed out and appearing on the surface, hopefully for one last time, eventually, uh, before things start getting better, which may take 50 years or something, who knows. But there's no question in anybody's mind, there is an awakening happening, and meditation is the primary mechanism behind it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's funny that you say that because I, okay, because I am, I, I guess, uh, around 39, 40, I started to um, embark on my own, I guess, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, okay, right. um, where I started reading more about the universal laws and understanding that we do have vibrations and more energy forces. And here's the in interesting thing. Um, I've had one client in particular for over nine years, and we have just an amazing relationship. But here's the interesting thing. Um, some of the executives who have been through my uh, training, sales, coaching, etc., nine years ago, and then have sat through more advanced stuff recently, uh, one woman in particular uh, who knows me quite well, she said, wow, it was really interesting to sit in your class, you know, nine years later. And I said, why? And I'm like, why? But, you know, of course, you go to that bad place. I didn't do a good job, right? And she goes, no. She says, but you're, um, and she's spiritually versed as well. And she said, wow, your whole kind of Zen vibe and, you know, how you let people realize that the mind, body, spirit affects how they're viewed by customers. And yeah. she said, everybody in the class was just, um, it, like, entranced yeah. with what I was saying and for me it was just I'm being very honest with what I feel works with customers right it, being authentic and honest with your client they feel it and um, people's success has has just skyrocketed um, because of that. So I said to her, "Was it? Did you think it was weird?" She said, "No, it worked amazingly, and people were waiting for your, the next thing I would say." So this, and I, I I shared it with you before we started. My business itself is exploding, and I really approach business. And I know most business owners are like, "She's a freak" when I say this, but I really approach it from a love standpoint I want people to walk away from me always feeling better than before they met me and whatever that means for people right so yeah, it I think like some of my lectures it, it, that sounds like some of my lectures but, but back um, when when I was teaching these uh, intro uh, these um, intro religion courses students would sometimes be on the edge of their seats and they yes. wouldn't take and um, they wouldn't even take notes because I was apparently so compelling and I would have yes. to tell them take notes remember to take notes I'm going to quiz you on this stuff you know <laughs> <laughs> they should have just taped you <laughs> recorded you um, yeah so I think when and that for me has been a shift because if if people, working people, right, we're all working because we have to pay bills, if they feel that what I'm saying is going to benefit their professional and personal life, 
there's a shift. You see it, you feel it, and I hope people are, are making sense, you know, this is making sense. So, now, a lot of people pursue meditation for spiritual reasons. Right. I have to be honest, I didn't do it for the spiritual reasons for me, because my mind is racing all the time. I, I just fire fast. So I found that my, for me to meditate at night and in the morning helps calm my mind and helps me see things clearer so I can work, work more efficiently. So that's truly what motivated me. Now, how is, because you hear meditation and people immediately relate it to prayer. How, right. how is it related or is it related at all? Okay, let me first um, give you a different perspective on your, on your own experience. Your, um, the, the biggest thing that gets in the way of spirituality is the notion of spirituality itself. You are already um, affecting a lot of spirituality just in um, the way that you do things. So if you're very spiritual. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Yeah, I know um, so, I am. It's yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, meditation is essentially a deepening of prayer. I think you can think of three kinds of prayer: verbal, out loud, verbal to yourself, and wordless. Right, wordless being the most, the more profound kind of prayer. Meditation is the deepening of wordless prayer, usually through a simple technique that helps your mind kind of grab onto as it goes deeper. Um, to clarify the meaning of that, the most meaningful kind of prayer does not ask for anything. It does not occur on the level of the intellect. Likewise, I think the best and most common meditation techniques have no verbal meaning because the thing that they're after is beyond the intellect altogether. And that makes everything work better on the level of business and, and um, activity. The other major difference, of course, is that uh, med uh, meditation is longer. Prayer typically is like 30 seconds or less. Meditation, 10 minutes plus. An hour is not uncommon. Those are the basic differences between meditation. It's really just a deepening of prayer. You know, it's funny. Um, meditation for me, what, uh, you know, again, breathing, absolutely. And we're going to talk about how meditation most commonly is done. Um, right. For me, I do the breathing and I do like little mantras in my head um, from, right. a, from a gratitude standpoint because I, I live a blessed life, right? So um, I definitely am grateful because I feel like, why me, right? So I'm grateful for it. Whatever the universe has given me, I don't question. I say, hey, thank Thanks, man. Keep it coming. <laughs> right. Right. So share with us, how, what is the most common meditation, um, or is there even a common meditation? Um, through the gentle repetition of a simple technique with little or no cognitive meaning, meaning you grab onto that with your eyes closed in a dark, quiet room to go deeper and deeper. The thinking faculty of the mind is intentionally ignored, not suppressed, but ignored. So mantra is the most common method. A mantra, of course, is basically a sacred word, again, mm -hmm. with no real meaning on the cognitive level. So it's kind of a subtle sound or vibration. And that's the way that most spiritual philosophers think of the most primordial reality as a kind of profound vibration. Right? First it was a word, and the word was God. That's St. John, right? So by word, he means vibration. The Hindu Om, it's the same thing, really. Om is pure naked God, if you will. Mm -hmm. So mantras are used in meditation to resonate with that and um, to take you back to it. Usually there's short two, three syllables, sometimes longer, but not much. Um, so Can you give an yeah, example? Can you give well, an example? 
Yeah, sure. IEM is one of the mantras which uh, the which the uh, TM system uses. Um, Rama, a very short name of God um, in Hinduism. Um, Shalom in Judaism. Um, Allahu, a Muslim phrase meaning God Himself. Um, Abba the Latin word for father, all those are good mantras. Mm-hmm. Ideally, they're imparted through a teacher in an organized tradition, religious or mystical tradition, but that isn't necessary anymore. Uh, formal, formal mystical teaching is sort of on, it's, it's, it's not on the way out, but it's, it's, it's less important than it used to be. Um, so mantra is like the most common technique. Breathing is another. Yeah. Uh, breathing as the most basic body rhythm is generally understood to be really another kind of profound mantra. So it's like the Big Bang is going on all the time within you, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the most common methods. There are others like visualization, point of focus in the body, the heart, the abdomen, the third eye. Movement techniques like, like kinhin and zen. If so, um, if you can't sit still, do something like that. And, that, and there are assisted meditations, like listening to a chant or a speaker using guided imagery or things like that. Although I think that's more on the level of, of the intellect. It also relies on an external device, which in the long run you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I would say four out of five people in the world who meditate do use a mantra or breathing or sometimes uh, both together. And good okay. conditions are important. Dark, yeah. room, quiet, early morning. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, because if there's something going on, I know me, I'm like, oh, what's going on over there? And right. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. So, yeah, quiet kind of, I think that's why I love it, too, because I feel like I can um, breathe. That's my word. I can breathe. My brain can breathe. I don't know. Um, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, I, I don't know if you could answer this one, but how many techniques are there actually for meditation? Uh, so just think about that while we're on break. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, trainings, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we are speaking with David Lowe and we're talking about meditation, not only the benefits but um, the techniques as well because I know people out there saying, I want to meditate and then we don't even know where to begin. And in my intro, I even said that there's a million apps, like which one do you choose? And there's these guided meditations, David, that you just mentioned, you know, which one works. So first, how many techniques are there? Well, gazillions. The basic uh-huh. technique, the basic technique categories are vibration, visualization, simple focus, and movement. As far as I can tell, the mystical branches of all religions have all of those. They all have mantras. All religions have objects to visualize and so forth. Um, movement methods. Most of them have movement methods. Although I should say Hinduism and Buddhism have, been, have had by far the greatest influence. Um, but most people do that in pretty much a secular atmosphere. 
lots of places in Florida don't have facilities uh, for meditation, really a place where you can go sit undisturbed for, for, for 30 seconds. Um, one thing to know about all the methods is that one thing that they all have in common, the instructions for doing them are all very, very simple. Doing it is often difficult. But the instructions themselves are simple. Um, basically, whenever you get lost in thinking, just refocus on your technique. That's all there is to it, literally. So lots of methods. Those, those are the basic categories. Um, mantra, visualization, uh, focusing on, uh, um, on, a, on um, a point in your body, and movement. Those would be the basic technique categories. Give me an example of movement, David. The best known and most immediately available uh, kind of ritual technique used in one of the traditions would be Kinhin in Zen. K-I-N-H-I-N. Google it sometime. That's basically a very slow, contemplative walking method where you walk very, very slowly, putting one foot in front of the other, and stare at the ground in front of you and breathe. That's all you do. You like, you, like, you like walk in a circle for like a half hour of kinhin. So folks who can't sit still, and some people can, should do something like that. Um, Does it so matter yeah. where you do it? Do you have to do it outside? No. I mean, as no. long as, again, it's, it's a quiet place, mm. dark, so that you're not distracted by anything. Or ideally a dark, quiet place. For kinhin, you, got, you, you, you need room to walk around. You walk mm-hmm. around in a circle, so you, you, you would need a room maybe 15 uh, 20 feet in diameter or something like that mm-hmm. but um, you know dark quiet place ideally early morning cause, because that's when everything is quiet but meditation can be done anytime you don't have to do it in the early morning although that is the best time to do it because everything is naturally quiet so there are movement techniques you know there are there's no excuse not to have some sort of meditation technique um, just because you can't just just uh, just because you can't sit still is not a good excuse. I, I, can I be honest? That's the first time I've heard of this movement technique. That's why I, I asked you because um, well, the I know the major problem people have, you know, the major problem people have with meditation is, I think, is that they are defining it too narrowly. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sit down with your eyes closed and than in, in, in a dark, quiet room. That's, that, 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 that isn't for ev- I think everybody should aspire to that, but it's not for everybody as far as starting out is concerned. There are movement techniques, all kinds of movement techniques you can do, and Kinhin is probably one, one of, of the best known. Yeah. That's the coolest. Yeah. I, I, I see I learned something new. That's amazing. Now, okay, so meditation, especially, I know in the Hindu faith, they, they have been doing it, and it's been part of their society, culture, etc. But meditation here in the U.S. is everywhere now. You hear it. There's apps. There's um, right. CDs. You could buy all of those things. So what is the history of meditation here in this country? Well, that's pretty much the story of Eastern uh, spirituality in the West. Nowadays, there are gazillions of good teachers, uh, many, way too many to even begin talking about. The, the best-known names are their teachers from a couple of generations back who came to this country and got followings as part of this big wave of Hindu-Buddhist teachers who came over in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satchinananda, Maharishi, Prabhupada, Muktananda, Sri Chinmoy, people like that, Chogyam Trungpa in Buddhism. Um, the biggest one, Neem Karoli Baba, never left India. His followers, people like Ram Das, Krishna Das, Stephen Levine, taken together have had a huge influence on the Western Hemisphere. So, um, and all that basically stimulated the Western traditions in this country to develop their own forms. 
But what's great is that most modern teachers today, folks like Adyashanti, Gangaji, Pema Chudron, they're basically like three-fourths secularized. They realize that most people are not going to be interested in meditation if there's too much religion, religious mm-hmm. formality involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. interesting that you said in the 60s that these, um, you know, spiritual leaders came to this country. Perfect timing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Think about the 60s. Wow, if any decade in time, that's a score, meaning they picked the right decade. It was right. it was the 60s. I was just giggling. I'm thinking, you know, people doing their bongs or whatever and yeah. getting into that meditative state. But, you know, it was... Um, a good, good entree into this country. So I just was kind of giggling to myself. I had to share that. Now, one, one thing that's real important to realize, meditation, success in meditation is more a matter of priorities and attitude than it is doing it well. You know, if your mind goes crazy or you feel nothing, so what? Keep at it with faith and perseverance. That's the whole deal. You know, and I think you know you're not going to be able to do that unless, at some level, you really know why you're meditating. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, it, it will help you with your stress, with your temper, with your leadership skills, and so forth, but only slowly and indirectly. For those kinds of things, you're better off seeing a therapist or a mentor or something. Meditation is for something beyond all that, and there needs to be at least some vague connection with that thing to keep you inspired to keep going. You know that, and that's that's. That's enlightenment. That's God. That's like the spiritual quest. And all the other material things will come if you pursue that you know, overall, I think. It, it, it's really true. It, it, can you give an example of that connection that keeps you motivated? Just some examples that people have shared that you know, kept them on that path. Well, just I think overall, in terms of most people's spiritual growth into the mystical levels of understanding spirituality, we start out with this notion that God is this, is this thing up in the sky. We sort of pray to it. Maybe it's a man, maybe it's a man with a beard, maybe it's Moses or Jesus or something like that, a particular mm-hmm. object or notion. Mm-hmm. But eventually you realize that, you know, you, you, you begin to understand that God is sort of everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. God and nature are sort of not the same thing, but kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that God is more of of, of like this, of of this profound, this very, very, very profound, pervasive cosmic intelligence or ultimate reality, which is beyond the beyond the beyond. And, you know, the mind has nothing to do with it. The paradox is that, you know, the, and God, the best thing that God gave us was, was our intellect. But God is not different from our own self. I like to call it God slash self. The great paradox and um, and you know mind you know mind blowing radical truth is that we and God are not different. You know, we are best off not bargaining with God, but finding our own unique Godhood because we are God already. Um, that's the paradox of a whole spiritual journey. And meditation, there needs to be some vague understanding or connection with that if you're going to meditate successfully. And, and a lot of people who aren't, aren't spiritually inclined, don't, don't know any philosophy, do have a sense of that, you know. So that's kind of what, that's kind of what we're after. And it's interesting, that, you, that just totally made sense um, to me, what you just said. I'm going to give you an example. Several years ago, um, Dr. Wade Dyer loved, loved his books, read most of them. Um, he came, the, I think one of his last books, or I, I don't even know, but I read it years ago, was Wishes Fulfilled. 
and as and and it's a very deep reading so it's not like you could blow through the book like you would a james patterson book right you could do it in two hours so right. this book i would have to read a chapter digest the thoughts behind it because it was it was um a lot of thought and then at the end he gave he gave exercises and I love that because that helped me kind of figure things out and it was a step-by-step guide for me as a newbie well the right. one story he tells or example he gives and it speaks to what you just said that we are God I am right I am is God so he says picture the ocean if you were a child and you took your little bucket and you went to the ocean and you scooped out some water into that bucket what would you call the water in the bucket it would be the ocean, right? So he said, is, is it different than the ocean itself? Of course it's not, because you just got it from this huge body of water. So he said that we are just a part of the universe. So if, if you think God is this mystical thing, and we come from God, we come from the ocean, we're the little bucket, <laughs> but we're God. And, and, when I, and I use that so much to bring myself back to I am enough, right? I am, I am God. And, and that's not an egotistical thing. It's just that sent, for me to center me to say I am enough. enough. I don't have to um, look to get better or, or to convince more people or whatever. And that one image of the bucket in the ocean, I was like, I totally get it. That makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the classes. That relates to one of the classical spiritual stories, uh, which we don't need to go into. Um, so to learn meditation, people can, I think there are kind of two ways that you can learn it. One is to do it sort of on the cheap. You can visit a yoga center, a Zen group, or maybe one of the meditation studios, uh, which are popping up all over the place. The other thing you can do is to go to an expensive teacher, like a TM group or Ajashanti or something like that. And I wanted to mention something real important. There's this notion out there that, you know, spiritual things, meditation should have nothing to do with money. I think that's wrong. You know, uh, there is this dynamic that we're all subject to, most of us. If, you, if, like, you make a financial offering in good faith, that's a sacrifice which opens, which opens up a space um, inside you for um, a teaching to enter. Right. So there's an economics to everything. And if we're serious, for most of us, it's best if there's a fee involved, really. I mean, if you do long for God and... and and have a real serious interest in higher truth, money won't matter. But for most of us, it does make a big difference. So um, there, that's kind of two ways to go. You, you, you can either learn it on the cheap by, by going to a local studio or, 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 or Zen center of some kind, yoga studio, or you can pay somebody a big fee to teach you this tradition. And sometimes that's better for people. Yeah, so just it's just something to think about. Do you recommend for people who, let's say, have never meditated, but this conversation, right, this show has now uh, opened their mind and they're thinking, man, I think I'd like to try that. Right. Do you recommend them going to your local meditation studio or do you think that could be dangerous if they're not quality driven? Oh, no, no. Go to your local Zen center or yoga studio or one of these meditation studios are good, really. They're they're kind of popping up all over the place in in Mm -hmm. major cities. So, no, you'll you'll learn a very basic breathing technique involving guided imagery. Uh, They'll talk you through it, but it will give you a sense of meditation that you might not otherwise get because, you know, people don't have a lot of money and they're not willing to pay 600 bucks to go see somebody for a week. But if you can afford that, that's often the way to go. 
Um, so I would go to a local yoga studio, yoga, um, or a Zen group, or um, um, a meditation studio somewhere. They're, uh, they're all over the place. Yeah. yeah, and I have to tell you, I, I, when I started, I did go through my yoga studio, and they had guided meditation, like on a Wednesday morning. Right. Um, it was inexpensive. I went, and I did several, and I have to tell you, it was... Um, transforming in that I couldn't believe how calm I felt and you know we did breathing and then she just did a guided meditation she had a very lovely calming voice and the imagery and it kept you know I would my monkey mind would go and then I'd come back and um, right. but I I started to realize like wait a minute I can do this so on on my own it was very difficult so when I started that's exactly what I did that's interesting that you say that now you have a private little private practice do you do meditation do you teach meditation is that part of what sure. you do so oh, yes yeah, sure uh, uh, four things can make it difficult uh, the biggest factor is a too again a too restricted idea about what it is if you can't mm-hmm. sit still do a movement technique um, the other thing would be well the monkey mind you know thoughts keep distracting you keep pulling you away from from your inner technique and so on um, join the club that's just the nature of the mind there's nothing wrong with thinking we just mm-hmm. ignore it and it kind mm-hmm. of eventually goes away. There are mm-hmm. cycles. You go, you go in and out. Uh, don't meditate under poor conditions. I think if you're meditating in like the middle of the afternoon at work at your desk or um, right next to people talking around the corner or on the subway or something like that, um, if you can't do it at any other time, then by all means meditate then. But you really can't expect it to go that well. If it's really important to you, you will carve out better conditions. Um, you know, dark, quiet room. Get your household together and talk about it with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you really carve out a space, preferably in the early morning, to really um, get a practice going. And you know, there needs to be some connection with why you're doing it. If you end up feeling this is stupid, a waste of time, I'm accomplishing nothing, spinning my wheels, then you know, just rethink your priorities. You know, I mean, maybe you should do something else for your spirituality, like sing or do charity work or something. But I'm convinced that most people who've been meditating for some time do it for, you know, basically for super profound reasons after all is said and done. And that's what keeps them going through all the drive spells. So you need to really contemplate, why are you doing it? All these other things you can get through therapists and mentors and, you know, so forth. But you're meditating for a far deeper reason. If, if you know, if you really know that on some deep level, then you, then you will persist in your practice. Yeah, and, and it, it's funny because um, when I, for me, the meditation absolutely has a calming effect, which I have a very high energy, so that keeps, I think, me healthy, number one. But I really do it because I, this is what I go in thinking. All right, I'm going to you know, do my meditation, whatever, for the calming effect, all that. But I always have these amazing thoughts or ideas for business. And I come out of it and I go, holy crap, like where'd that come from? That's a brilliant idea. Like why didn't I think of that before? Because we're so cluttered in our head to the day-to-day, do this, then do that, then do this, that that for me, quieting the mind, my clear thoughts come through that will benefit my business. So um, you said that it's not money, but I have made money from it, and that was never right. my intention going in. But right. because I'm able to clear my thoughts, um, great ideas come through that I should be doing with my business that ends up to be monetary uh, blessings. So it's it's so connected. It's amazing. And I, I, I love meditating because, again, um, 
it just it helps me breathe. It helps my brain and my my heart breathe. So, right. uh, you know, I hope yeah, I hope that has inspired people. Now, you guys, don't worry. I'm going to put David's information on the WebTalkRadio.net website under the Architect of Change show. But just in case you you want to write it down quickly, it's www.davidlow. It's L O W. I always want to put an E. There is no E, so it's David Low. M like Mary, S like Sam, PhD dot com. And if you want to email David directly, it's David at World Spirituality dot com. And I highly recommend his book, Universal Spiritual Philosophy and Practice, a very enlightening uh, read, and it makes sense. Um, so those of you that are trying to figure things out, uh, I think that might be a good place to start as well. Um, read the book and maybe have a conversation with David. In addition, email me directly at Connie at WhitmanAssoce.com. Questions you have for me on sales, coaching, whatever it might be, um, growing your business, etc. I love to hear from you, and I do check the emails personally. Um, David, thank you again so much for being on the show. Um, I, I just learned so much. It was amazing. I, I truly appreciate your time. I love being on your show, Connie. You I'm so don't worry glad. about your spirituality. You're doing fine. You're very spiritual I, already <laughs> without even realizing, without even realizing, and that's the best kind of spirituality. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm supposed to be, um, I think I'm supposed to be the voice, if you will, um, to, to hopefully demystify for people, simplify for people, and not make it this weird, like, woo thing, um, that it's, it's a healthy thing, really, for your, for your mind, body, and spirit, and it, it, just makes you better in business. So to me, it's a win-win-win from an inexpensive uh, perspective, right? It's all good. Great. Uh, yeah, thank you again, David. I, I, always, uh, I always love our, our conversation, so thanks again. Uh, okay. You all have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much. Have an inspired week, everyone. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't trace